opportunity to greet the staff. We also greet the delegation of the department led by Ntate Munyela because we received apologies from um, the, the ministry about the minister and deputy ministers. Also welcome South Africans who are on the platform, various platforms provided by parliament. I'm going to request that I do not put on the video, honorable members, because where I am, the situation is such that the network might disappear or might be unstable because I'm in a deep, deep, deep rural area here. So I'm going to humbly request that the committee allows me not to switch on the camera. The second thing is that I have requested uh, Honorable Mpanza that in the course of the meeting, he may have to take over because of um, the un un unstable situation of the network where I find uh, myself so that we don't wait for me to be cut and then we say who can take over the meeting and so on. Uh, we are going to be dealing with two matters today. Uh, honorable members, it's a matter that relates to you, how you, we deal you, with... You are allowed, Chepesen, because it's your birthday. So anything that you want is allowed. <laughs> I like how you are written here on the platform. Muela <laughs> Sadek. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, Muela Sadek. And, and thanks to the members and the staff for the birthday messages one received yesterday. We are one is grateful of that as a member of the team. We are going to be dealing with uh, two issues today from the department. It's just a briefing on matters that relate to poverty, inequality, and unemployment in the context of our relationship uh, with uh, a BRICS uh, partner called China. We are also going to be, uh, as presented to you, uh, honorable members, uh, be dealing with uh, a briefing from the department uh, once more on uh, the matters that, uh, the first one is, is, related, is related to China with regard to our bilateral uh, mechanisms. The second matter will be about state-owned properties that are outside uh, the country. Do you have apologies, uh, Babalowski? Uh, thank you, Shabasin. Uh, good morning to and uh, honorable members. The first apology chair is from the minister. Uh, she's attending cabinet uh, together with the and then uh, Deputy Minister Porters has got bilateral meetings, and uh, Deputy Minister Marsha Kholamini, she's out of the country. Titi uh, Jumonye Elache will be leading the delegation from the department. Okay, thank, you, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks very much. That was brought to our attention two days ago. Yeah. And Munyele, you are welcome in your team. You can start with your presentation. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson and uh, members uh, of the Portfolio Committee, Honorable members of the Portfolio Committee. 
And uh, thank you for acknowledging the apology of our principals and our DG. Uh, and also let me join the uh, colleagues in which... Uh, uh, sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chair. Yes, that uh, Just... Uh, in Yes, just uh, sorry to do this, uh, Chair, uh, and uh, to DDG uh, Monyela. No, Chair, I, I just wanted to make a suggestion. I don't know whether, I, I thought uh, I was going to, give, were going to give us that opportunity on the agenda itself. Okay, that Mbanza? Yes, Chair. I wanted to propose, as uh, the department normally does when uh, they are <clears throat> doing presentations to us, uh, that... Uh, Instead of separating the two presentation items four and five, uh, we just combine them. Uh, in, in in their presentation, they they they, they combine it and then uh, we then engage uh, in, in in that way. So I don't know whether I will be out of order, but uh, if it's not acceptable, then I'm happy with the way the agenda is is, is arranged. Thanks, chair. Yeah. No, it's actually my fault, uh, Honorable Banza. Th thanks for that. That was the approach we had communicated, yeah. So, not Moela. DDG, proceed with the entire presentation, then we'll engage there. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson um, and Honorable Members of the Committee. Once again, thank you for acknowledging the apologies of our principals and our DG. And let me join uh, the excellent... Recording in progress in uh, wishing a happy belated birthday to our chairperson uh, we wish you everything of the best uh, for this year and the coming years uh, many blessings um uh, colleagues finally um uh, i just wish to uh, say that uh, i'm accompanied by a team uh, which is going to be dealing with the two comprehensive presentations after a very brief introduction i've got a very long uh, a speech in front of me, but I'm going to compress it in the interest of time. Um, uh, Honorable Chair, firstly, to, to, to just thank you for this opportunity to brief uh, the committee on the mechanisms with the People's Republic of China and how they contribute to addressing South Africa's domestic imperatives and specifically the triple challenges of poverty, unemployment and inequality. Um, China and South Africa have long-standing relations uh, reinforced by solidarity and a common vision of mutually beneficial socioeconomic growth and development, the promotion of South-South cooperation and global adherence to a rule-based international order. Our bilateral relations were formally uh, established in 1998, as uh, the honorable members know, and are underpinned by a comprehensive strategic partnership agreement, which was signed in 2010, uh, and a five to 10 year strategic program of action. Um, this is in fact the highest um, strategic partnership you can have with the People's Republic of China. So that speaks to uh, the cordial uh, relations that exist between the two countries. Um, Honorable uh, Chairs, you may be aware, a critical aspect of our bilateral relations with the People's Republic of China is the endorsement of the One China policy. Uh, this was done in 1998. It is a Chinese foreign policy principle aimed at addressing the question of its uh, territorial sovereignty 
and articulating to the international community that the regions of Tibet, Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan are all part of mainland China. Uh, Although the South African government recognizes China's position that Taiwan is an inalienable part of China, in terms of our treaty with the People's Republic of China, South Africa continues to maintain uh, its own ties with Taiwan, uh, although it's limited to economic, uh, scientific, educational, and cultural exchanges. And this is why we've got a liaison office um, in Taiwan, and uh, they too have one here in Pretoria. Now, just to summarize, uh, Honorable Chair, in the context of uh, South Africa's strategic partnership with China, uh, the bilateral relations are anchored uh, on four pillars, namely, number one, uh, political bilateral relations and multilateral cooperation, number two, economic trade and investments and tourism, three, technical cooperation, and lastly, people-to-people relations. Um, it is through uh, this structured uh, mechanism that we seek to drive uh, these four pillars and ensure alignment with the government's frameworks, such as the National Development Plan, and the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan, uh, all meant to contribute to the achievement of South Africa's domestic uh, economic imperatives. Now, I'm going to conclude and allow my colleagues to, to, to take over the presentation, but just to say that uh, there's been some notable achievements uh, as well as uh, challenges experienced in terms of fully implementing the agreements, all the agreements and the memoranda of understanding that we've concluded uh, with uh, the People's Republic of China, including the outcomes of bilateral structured uh, mechanisms Uh, such as uh, finalizing infrastructure projects. Evidently, more could be achieved and uh, will be pursued in the relationship with China as there are areas of uh, potential growth as defined in the 10-year strategic program on cooperation, uh, such as in areas of defense, on the ocean's economy, in agriculture, on energy, technology innovation, as well as development and many other areas. Um, Now, in terms of uh, our mandate as a department, we strive to ensure that South Africa leverages its comprehensive strategic partnership with China to advance our core national interests through um, high-level engagements, effectively utilizing the various structured uh, bilateral mechanisms at our disposal in terms of our ties with China. The department is working hard in close cooperation with other government departments and business stakeholders to ensure that we maximize benefit to South Africa and its people at all levels. The presentation itself does contain some of the details that I think would be of interest to members of this portfolio committee and the Honorable Chair. And now with your permission, hand over to Ms. Cindy Swamkuku to take the Honorable Committee to our presentation. Ms. Mkutu. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Munyela. Uh, uh, good morning uh, to the uh, chair of the portfolio committee and the members of the portfolio committee. My name is Cindy Swam Mkutu. I would also like to introduce Ms. Yoli Swambebe, who is the acting chief director responsible for the East Asia and Oceania. 
uh, and this file is uh, directly handled by her. So where there could be more questions of clarity, she will also be available to respond. Uh, thank you very much uh, to the uh, to the to the to the uh, introduction by Mr. Munyela. I would request that we go straight to slide four because everything else has been captured in that introduction. Uh, we are, uh, as Mr. Munyela has outlined, we have four pillars, and I would start with the political, bilateral relations and multilateral cooperation pillar. And we are referring to multilateral uh, in the in the in the focus of uh, uh, the BRICS uh, uh, cooperation, as well as FOCAC, the Forum for China and Africa cooperation. We are stating that chair, uh, uh, we have uh, the political engagements through the uh, high level engagements, the ministerial, as well as other foreign policy uh, imperatives that have to uh, connect back to the domestic uh, 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 um, challenges as it is uh, outlined in the introductory remarks. Uh, through FOCAC, we have uh, um, been able to, to chair uh, for two times, uh, to co-chair FOCAC uh, in two, uh, in two uh, terms. And we have also received a 1 billion rand allocation, which is proposed for infrastructure development projects. We are trying chair, to respond directly to the question that is expected of us of how does the relationship that we have with China assist the country to achieve uh, 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 the, the objectives and also addressing the triple challenges. So that's why we are outlining uh, various initiatives that we have. Uh, we are referring to that 1 billion, which is a, a proposed for infrastructure development projects. We are still discussing the funding modalities with the Chinese between our national treasury and their national treasury, including uh, our reserve bank. And then at, uh, in 2021, in November, the FOCAC hosted uh, uh, the eighth ministerial uh, session. And in this ministerial session, the outcome was the nine FOCAC goals that are linked uh, with our domestic imperatives because they're focusing on providing assistance technically and financially on healthcare, poverty reduction, uh, agriculture, trade and investment, digital innovation, uh, uh, green investment development, as well as uh, uh, peace and security among others. And we have also been, uh, uh, we've also received a 1 billion dose commitment for the rest of the continent on COVID vaccines. And this is going to be manufactured through joint ventures with African countries, which means now that it also assists in developing the domestic uh, capacities in vaccine uh, manufacturing. When it comes to BRICS, uh, as it uh, would be known uh, uh, to the chair that we joined BRICS in 2010, 
and we have been able to chair in 2013 as well as in 2018, and we are going to chair again in 2023. This for us is a very strategic engagement and it assists us with a platform where we are able to achieve South Africa's national interest as well as its foreign policy uh, 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 imperatives and objectives. We are stating a chair that we have in March 2022 uh, uh, launched the BRICS Vaccine Research and Development Center. And this is also an initiative that emanated from South Africa's chairship of 2018. And also we have uh, received from the, uh, uh, national, uh, from the NDP, the New Development Bank, uh, uh, an amount of uh, 54 billion in terms of, uh, of uh, sorry, in 5.4 US dollars, billion US dollars, sorry, uh, where we are able to improve our service delivery uh, in a number of areas. We have also, we are also stating that the relationship we have within the BRICS context has assisted us improve our trade and amongst ourselves, we are able to state that we are trading at an amount of five of three five four billion US dollars. And we are hopeful that this current year we will be able to get to 500 billion in the current financial year. In the second pillar chain uh, of economic and trade and investment and tourism. And uh, we, we have observed uh, the, uh, 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 an increase in our bilateral trade from a very small 1 billion uh, uh, total trade in 1998 to 534 billion rands, which might be close to 50 billion US dollars uh, by 2021. And this is attributable to the strengthening of the relations, as Mr. Monella had outlined, that the depth and the strength of our relations uh, can be attested to by the value uh, of the trade at 554. Our trade, uh, we are stating that it includes Hong Kong, Taiwan, and Macau the special administrative region uh, of China. In 2019, uh, Chair, we also had the Chinese companies visiting South Africa with a delegation of, of procurement, where they signed procurement agreements with a number of South African uh, 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 companies. And this initiative is aimed at improving our trade uh, balance because we have stated that the trade is always in favor of China, understandable for a number of reasons. They are a bigger economy and also they are uh, one of the, of, the, uh, 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 of the destinations of our exports. 
but we wanted to make sure that in the basket that we are sending to uh, uh, the trade basket that we are sending to China, we have value-added products that gives us a, a value in terms of rents, and uh, not only the volume when we are sending lesser processed uh, goods to China. And we are stating, Chair, that the investment of the Chinese uh, uh, cumulatively exceeds 100 billion rands. And we are stating that we are estimating the jobs that have been created, direct jobs and indirect jobs, to an, a, a number that is 200,000 jobs created. Chinese are investing more in the infrastructure development, in the manufacturing, in the information, uh, digital, digital economy, and also the automotive sector. Uh, some of these jobs, the chair will be looking at the, the Beijing auto uh, 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 bike uh, company uh, that is, uh, is based in, uh, in Kuha, for example. So these are the practical jobs that we are talking about. And we are, South Africa, we were the first African country uh, to, to export beef to China. And this is the number of, this is, this, these are the products that we are sending, especially in the agricultural sector. Uh, our maize goes to China, the products, animal products, also the dairy, and that is agro-processed goods as well. So we also joined the, the Belt and Road Initiative, which is more on the infrastructure development, and therefore we are cooperating in that area. When we come to pillar number three, that is looking at the technical cooperation, we have received a, 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 a number of uh, projects uh, from, the, from, the, from the Chinese government, one the refurbishment of the uh, TVET centers in Tswane, two of them. We are also stating that this project is at implementation phase. And the Small Harbors Infrastructure Development Project, uh, this, the team of experts from China will be visiting South Africa next month until August. We've also started on the high-speed rail project and the technical working group uh, of this uh, initiative met in January of this year. And also we have applied uh, for the grant funding for the Focus Schools project. We are stating that, Chair, that uh, the projects that are uh, 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 received through the FOCAC are also supporting the African Union Agenda 2063. And this is part of that cooperation. And then the fourth pillar, which is the people-to-people -people, uh, uh, cooperation. It enhances, it is uh, uh, the use of uh, soft power in terms of diplomacy. And we are reaching out to other areas as well. Moving speedily to the structured mechanisms, uh, uh, I think Mr. Munyela has stated uh, the alignment between the work that we are doing with the Chinese and the objectives 
of the new uh, of the national uh, development plan and the ERRP. But just to lift that, the levels of engagement in this bilateral uh, 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 in the structured bilateral mechanisms is at the level of the deputy president through the BNC and also the strategic dialogue at the level of the minister and the joint working group, which is at the level of the deputy minister of DIRCO. And the high level people to people exchange mechanism is at the level of the minister of sports, arts and culture. When we go to the next slide chair, we are stating what we have achieved through uh, these uh, uh, bilateral relations. We are looking at the increase in terms of the total trade between ourselves, as we have stated that by uh, 2021, we had the total trade at the value of 544. And you will agree with us, Chair, when we're saying that we have observed the, the increase and what we are, we, are, uh, we are stating as a challenge is the trade deficit. That is what we are buying from China is less than what we are selling to China. So all these other means that we've stated uh, 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 before are helping us close the gap in terms of the of the trade balance uh, uh, between our countries. And also the challenges we are stating uh, in their investment in the Chinese investments is, um, is adherence to the PPE codes and, and also some of the local legislation in, and in, that includes the labor law. We attach the volatility of the, of the rent to, the, to this uh, uh, increase in terms of the, of, the, of the trade balance and also in terms of the investment in South Africa. The jobs um, that have been created, uh, the 5,000 that we are stating through the direct in, uh, investments, uh, we're observing that we don't get the full transfer of skills. And, uh, and that is what we are lifting as a challenge. COVID has impacted on the tourism numbers. And uh, we have seen that uh, the, 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 the tourists from South Africa, though they were decreasing to, to an extent uh, uh, from 2017, uh, 2018, 2019, but 2020 and 2021 were, 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 were hard hit uh, because of the lockdown restrictions. Um, what is attributed to uh, these challenges in tourism, Chair, is one, the crime that they often state as, a, as an issue. They feel their tourists are not safe in South Africa. And we are working on the challenges in terms of the processing of visas. And, uh, and, and, and we are also citing there that there is no direct flight between ourselves and China might also limit the tourism numbers. We've received quite a number of scholarships chair from the Chinese government. And um, 
we 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 could not have an uptake during the the COVID restriction period, and we are going to see an improvement in that post COVID. The challenges of of students now during COVID times was the time difference where they had to 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 work from South Africa and getting lectures from China. And that was a challenge. And for the socioeconomic uh, reasons, some of the students would not have an easy access uh, to internet connection. What we are also lifting is the, the, the issue of the medical students. Those who study medicine in Chinese universities uh, are not able to do the, 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 the clinical training that is going to the hospitals because you need to have the correct language to speak to the patients there. Now we are communicating and working also with the Health Professionals Council to make sure that there is a way of, of having a, 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 pro, a process of having internship of those students who are studying medicine in China to have internships in South Africa where they can be able to converse with their, with their patients, therefore receive the clinical training and language becomes the barrier as we have stated. And we, we are stating, Chair, that we, we are currently through the Department of uh, Higher Education and Training uh, supporting 57 students uh, from the sponsorship of 180 scholarships. The reason why, Chair, we only have 57 out of 180 uh, 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 sponsor scholarship, it's because there needs to be a top-up amount to their living uh, 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 cost of living allowances of the students. So the Department of Higher Education could afford topping up for 57 uh, students. And uh, from cumulatively from 2018 chair uh, to, to, to 2022, we are stating that 2,000 South African officials and technicians have been trained in China. And uh, we are also uh, giving the number of the Confucius uh, Institutes, which is about more about the Chinese culture. Uh, we have six of those, and we have uh, classrooms in South Africa, and we have the last one being opened in the University of the Western Cape, the Confucius Institute that was opened in 2019. This is part of the people-to-people -people mechanism. Um, the, we continue with the structured uh, mechanisms. Um, uh, Chair, in the past uh, five years, from 2018, uh, we have 10,000 uh, students, South African students, who have participated, participated in uh, the learning the Chinese language. And we are also stating uh, some uh, uh, donations that we have received uh, from the Chinese government, especially during the COVID uh, period, uh, to the Department of Basic Education. Also, to support and encourage those teachers who do well in the, in the, in the uh, STEMs, that is the, the science, technology, maths, 
those teachers get awards and they're able to be on a fully paid study visit to China. That is more of the capacity building and also experience sharing between our two countries. In 2020, Chair, we have the South, the Chinese government has offered 25 South African artists uh, uh, to train 25 South African artists on digitization. They're also doing a lot in terms of uh, joint uh, research programs and uh, uh, working as, the, as, as, as research institutes. Uh, we also have 20 South Africans uh, trained uh, in tourism, and these include uh, the frontline staff and also the tour guides. And some of them also taught uh, uh, in the in the Chinese language, the Mandarin. So we are we are making all these uh, initiatives chair to be able to attract the Chinese tourists to South Africa. And as you would appreciate chair, that we are talking about an industry that contributes 6% to South Africa's GDP. And we are talking about a, 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 a market uh, for tourism, that is China, that has a, a, a quite a substantial number of people and um, who will also have capability to travel to South Africa. So we are making, they are lending to South Africa softer through teaching the tour guides the Mandarin language. Chair, uh, I want to summarize and move fast uh, with, uh, when it comes to agriculture, forestry, and fisheries. Uh, we have signed the, the MOUs. And as we have stated, Chair, some of the uh, sticky issues in terms of the trade balance will be um, uh, uh, issues of the sanitary and phytosanitary uh, protocols that we don't agree on and we are able to engage bilaterally to make sure that all the market access issues are dealt with and we are able to access the Chinese market and therefore we do uh, uh, comply with what is expected from our side as they do on, on our side. Way forward, Chair, we are saying these bilateral relations, um, uh, we, we, we are using them to leverage, to get more economically, to get more uh, 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 also technical uh, transfer of skills. And therefore, we are of the view that there is value add in the relationship that we have with the Chinese. What we need to improve from our side is uh, intergovernmental coordination as we are implementing the 10-year strategic program, as outlined in the introduction from Mr. Muniela, is that um, the 10 years uh, strategic program was signed this year, and this is elevating the relations and looking forward into the 10 years so that we position ourselves to be able to optimally uh, gain from this partnership and all the other areas that we need to focus on. And we, we, we are stating that we are receiving a, a lot in terms of job creation, and uh, it is a priority area for us, and that makes a, a response 
to the question of the triple challenges when we're looking at the at the jobs that we are getting through the investment of the Chinese and also through the improved trade with the Chinese because what we produce from South Africa and selling in China, it is if we produce in volumes, we're able to employ more South Africans. That's why we're improving in terms of our trade, of, of, of our exports and the readiness of various sectors of our economy. Um, we are working, uh, 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 we are using a uh, chair, all the, 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 the mechanisms that we have outlined, and, and we are also impressing and uh, uh, emphasizing the point that the, the people-to-people exchange mechanism makes it uh, uh, easier for us to engage one another or each other when we understand more about each other through the people-to-people mechanism. And we are we are of the view, Chair, that the relationship that we have with the People's Republic of China is adding value and it is making a, a substantial contribution to addressing the triple challenges that we have, that is a job creation and also poverty alleviation as well as uh, uh, reducing the levels of inequality. That is our submission, Chair. We we have come to an end of our presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Mkutu. As the Honorable Chair um, requested, we are going to then proceed to the next presentation um, on um, our state-owned properties. Um, I will not necessarily do the intro because I think uh, what's covered in the intro is in the actual presentation itself. So, Ms. Shabalala, Chief Director, Property and Facilities Management, uh, please go ahead. Good morning, Chair, um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Committee Member, Portfolio Committee Members. Uh, DDG, Clayson Monyala and colleagues. Uh, my name is Lengiwe Bengu. I'll be taking through the portfolio committee um, for today and Ms. Chawalala is supporting me in this presentation and um, and Mr. Mr. Patela, who is the director in that section. Um, I will move straight to page four of the of the slides um, where we just indicating the background around the, the 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 portfolio. I mean the property management portfolio of the department. Just to recap that this portfolio uh, this portfolio was um, provided to or was allocated to Deco in 1999 from public, uh, by the Minister of Public Service and Administration to manage and procure properties and accommodation abroad, including um, aspects regarding leasing, purchasing, alteration, and maintenance. I would like to indicate, um, Honorable Chair, that the slide made a mistake that the disposal was also allocated to DECO um, in the year 1999, which is not the case. The disposal was not allocated. It still remained with the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure. Now, Chairperson, from where we, uh, we were um, in, 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 in 2000 and in 2018, 
the department at the stage we had um 911 rented properties uh, but as of today we have about 625 rented properties so there is um, a significant reduction it is one based on the missions that have been closed two it's also on the positions that ha- um, that um, head office had had to freeze due to the fact that we didn't have enough compensation of employees. And then we are also um, owning about 163 uh, state-owned properties abroad, and that number has not changed since um, 2018. And I have also included the breakdown of 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 the portfolio, as you can see. Now, Honorable Chair, in slide number six, what we like to, to highlight uh, with this slide is that um, when DPWU at the time um, allocated this function to DECO, they provided DECO with files that relates to the properties that were, they were transferring to DECO, which is the 163 properties. However, not all files could be located or could be received from DPWUI. Based on that, we then as a department um, embarked on a project to obtain um, title deeds and valuations of the state-owned properties that was done via our missions abroad. These valuations were done um, through the municipalities in, uh, in, the, in the countries of accreditation, and they were also done um, through professional valuators where municipality report could not uh, be obtained in that regard. This then resulted um, in the current immovable fixed asset register that has been audited by Auditor General on an annual basis since 2007-2008 financial year. With the work that we've done as a department in evaluating our properties and uh, trying to get title dates, unfortunately, we still have one property that we are still struggling to get an original title date, and that property is in Tehran. And our mission and also our line function desk is working in getting us the title deed through the authorities there in Tehran. Honorable Chair, in slide number seven, now we would like to take you through the journey of property acquisitions, development, and management. This is um, since DECO took over the property portfolio from DPWI. Now, before then, DECO was relying on DPWI, so there were other governance um, issues that then DECO was uh, heavily relying on, on DPWI through, during that time. So when we took over, we then had to put those governance issues um, as a department. One of the things um, that we had to do is to establish the units um, within the department that will deal with property management. And in establishing that unit, that unit then had to come up with a property acquisition strategy that um, currently has been approved and which is what we are using 
um, uh, as a department. And this property acquisition strategy, Honorable Chair, it aims at reducing the rental expenditure that the department is having. Uh, we are geared more into acquisition and developing the, the pieces of land that we have as a department. Secondly, this unit has also done what has achieved. They have now um, developed a, a property management strategy, uh, strategic framework. This framework, Honorable Chair, is helping the department or it's guiding the department's strategic decision, decision making on property investment management and, de- and disinvestment. And it's also ensure a return on investment value for money and sustainability with our properties that we have abroad. The third thing that this unit also has achieved is the maintenance plan templates that they have developed for our missions abroad and the allocation of the budget to mission. In the previous financial year, which is 2021-22, our mission spent 42 million on the day-to-day operations or on the day-to-day maintenance of our properties abroad. And we also have um, this, this unit that has been established. It has also uh, developed a refurbishment plan. This is the plan that is used um, by head office now to maintain the properties abroad. And what has been allocated or spent in the previous year in this plan, it's about 8.2 million in refurbishing our, our properties. Now, Honorable Chair, what I also want to highlight uh, with this refurbishment plan is that, which is uh, on slide number seven, is that we, with this plan, we want to, um, as a department, we want to outline how the properties will be managed and maintained in a manner that promotes operational safety, which is a big issue right now, employees' health, which is also an an, an issue that we are dealing with, environmental protection and compliance. Compliance specifically with the countries of accreditation. One of the issues that I can highlight with the compliance is the issue of asbestos that we have been dealing with in the the current year and also in in the previous years very, very much um, um, hardly in, in, in Europe region. So that is what we are doing with this refurbishment plan that has been established by this unit since we have taken over from DPWI. Continuing with the property acquisition development and management, which is slide number eight. Now, we are talking to the year that has just closed now that the department with all the achievements that we have done and that I've mentioned in the previous slides, we then also managed to complete uh, 27 maintenance projects um, with our state-owned properties that we have spent from the money that has been identified from head office to do those, um, those maintenance abroad. Now, Chairperson, Honorable Chen, what I would also like to highlight um, with you is that over the next three years, which is the MTF years, um, the department has been allocated 796 million uh, for this portfolio. And this uh, 796 million, the department wants to use it or wants to focus um, this 796 million mainly on the major maintenances 
um, uh, of the state-owned properties. Um, this is we have decided this based on the current dilapidating state of our properties. Now, for us to do this and for us to achieve this, um, Honourable Chair, we have developed a long-term maintenance plan. And this long-term maintenance plan that we have developed, we are now also um, within it, we have, uh, we have developed a custodian asset management plan. This custodian management plan, it will assist us to then um, indicate to National Treasury why should we keep the 796 million over the three years and why do we need more money over and above 796 million in this custodian asset management plan you will see that um, we are talking about acquisitions that we want to do which currently the acquisition that we are looking at it's in kenya and then also we are looking at developing the piece of land that we have one of the uh, uh, the piece of land, I mean, or some of the piece of land that we want to develop, which I will cover also later on, is one in Delhi and then one in, in Luanda and then another one in Khabaroni. We are also looking at Munich. Then we also have refurbishment projects that will be uh, also um, covered within the custodian asset management plan and also the disposals because as we disposed we also have to we have to we have to spend money with the work that needs to be done um honorable chair now in slide number 9 just to continue on what we need to do or on what we are doing in in the year 2022-23 with the state owned properties in the current financial year the maintenance plans uh for the mission to do their day-to-day -day maintenance has been allocated 50 million for them to do that. However, the work that needs to be done by head office, um, which is of the 123 properties, there's major work that we have identified within um, those, 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 um, those, those missions. One of the of the of the of the of the work that we have done to identify the major works that needs to be done is condition assessments. The condition assessments were performed in Vienna with our two properties that are there, and the outcome is that the renovation of those properties have to be performed immediately. We also done a condition assessment with Rome for the three properties that we have there. And the report says we need to repair all three properties that are there. We have done for Copenhagen with the two properties that are there. With Copenhagen, it's a bit different because the report says we need to do a refurbishment, meaning that we have to go deeper than um, the other properties that I've just spoken to. We also have done Ottawa with Ottawa, it's renovations. We've done Munich. With the report in Munich, it says uh, we need to demolish the property and then rebuild, which is why I was mentioning to you, Honorable Chairperson, that we need um, we need to protect the money that is already in the in the MTF through the custodian asset management plan. Because if we have to demolish and 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 build, it means that it's a long-term uh, plan that we need to perform in Munich. We also have Mbabane pro, uh, uh, um, property, which needs to be refurbished. We also have Paris, The Hague, Venduk, and London. In Venduk, we're continuing 
uh, with the work that we have already done, but now we are finalizing the three properties that were not done in the year 2021-22 financial year. Now, Honorable Chair, for the department to do this over the MTF, we are now introducing a pilot program, which is envisaged to fast track the renovations in our missions abroad. Because looking at the current um, um, current um, uh, 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 units that we have, and looking at the demand that we currently have of the property maintenance, the units will not be able to finalize all the work at the time. And, and as they delay the work, more properties are getting dilapidated. So what we are fast tracking um, um, uh, this process, uh, Honorable Chair, we are now appointing real estate management services. We will be utilizing the services of real estate uh, management. The real estate management will deal with soft as well as hard facilities management, which is basically to maintain, sustain, revitalize, and modernize our state-owned property. So together with this real estate management and ourselves at head office, we, we have looked at it and saw that at least we will have more properties refurbished and renovated um, at a certain time. By end of the three years, we would have covered a lot of ground with the $796 million that is um, allocated to the department. Lastly, under this property acquisition development and management, um, Honorable Chair, I would like to indicate that um, we are also bringing in an internship program. These uh, graduates um, are within the built environment. They will join the department within this unit, and this will benefit both the department as well as the graduates. <clears throat> These graduates um, will be involved with the development projects that I've already mentioned in New Delhi, in Khabarone, in Luanda, which are planned over the, over the three years. Now, Honorable Chair, these graduates will be under the care of a chief director, a newly appointed chief director in the unit. And this chief director has a postgraduate diploma in property development and management. And we also, they will be under the care of a director who is also newly appointed in the section who started in May, who has a master's, a master's degree in real estate, who is also a member or affiliated with South African um, uh, Council for Property Evaluators. So these two individuals that the department has employed who had the, 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 the requisite, who has the relevant skills will then be the ones who will be taking care of these graduates together with the real estate management companies that we will be having in our regions that will assist us with the fast tracking of the refurbishment work as well as the constructions that we want to take, I mean, to undertake uh, of the three properties. Honorable Chair, um, lastly, I would like to cover the area around property disposal as to where are we now with the 18 properties that have been identified for disposal. Um, just to also recap here, um, Honorable Chair, is that the 18 properties that have been identified for, for, for disposal, um, they were 
identified due to the the fact that the missions were closed where they were, and they were closed based on the fact that um this the the government of that of the of the country of accreditation has relocated the city from where they were before to where they are now. So we had to also relocate our offices, but then the the problem was that we had already bought properties there. So those properties we are no longer using. So those properties are the ones that we are targeting for our first phase in terms of disposals. And we are also looking at the properties that are not used simply because we have now reduced the staff establishments of the mission. So there are more properties than the required number of officials that are in those missions. The, the, the case in classic is, is, is the one in Vendor. Now, Honorable Chair, the minister has given us a green light to start with the process of disposal. And this process of disposal started with us by appointing an interdepartmental committee, which is between National Treasury, Public Works, and the department. Now, this committee has also assisted us to establish or to develop a disposal policy. And it's also what we have done with all the 18 properties. We're now engaging in the valuation of those properties just to make sure that as we dispose them, we dispose them in a market, um, the, it's a market value that or market related value that we're going to get uh, out of that disposal. Now, Chairperson, unfortunately, this disposal is now, um, we, it, it had to wait because we are at a stage now, all the work has been done. Now, what we need to do is to advertise the disposals. The advertisement has been um, assessed by our risk unit. It has been looked at by our legal team, but then the advice from our legal team was that we will have to wait for the Foreign Service Act to be enforced before DECO can then advertise the disposal of these properties and then engage in the in the in the in the in the entire process of assessing the bids and all of that. Now, based on that, or due to this delay that we are now experiencing with the disposal, we, are, we have then since taken a decision as a department that we need to secure these properties while we're waiting to dispose them. Because we have noticed that um, as we were preparing for disposals, then there was no security of those property. And there was no cleaning of those properties. Now we have informed the missions that they must employ the security guard services they must uh, construct the wall around those properties that are about to be disposed, and they must also uh, implement gardening services just to make sure that those properties are secured and those properties are also cleaned and they are kept at a state where we can still get value for the money when we dispose them. And the case, um, the missions that we have already dealt with or communicated with this information um, and they are already implementing it, it's vendor. Thank you very much, DDG Clayson, and thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, that concludes our presentations. Uh, back to you, Honorable Chair. Thank you very much for allowing us. No, thanks uh, very much, uh, uh, Babu Moniera.
Sidichi Umama Umkuku and Umamushengu. No thanks very much for that. As the chair has indicated earlier on, that uh, he is having uh, some natural challenges of which myself also I'm experiencing, hence I'm, I'm not going to put my camera on. Uh, thanks very much. I think that was very much uh, informative and I think uh, members of the portfolio committee have taken notes uh, for, 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 for both uh, presentations. And uh, I would now take this opportunity uh, to allow uh, contributions through the hands. Uh, if uh, co-members are having a challenge, maybe of uh, raising their hands, I only see Faber's hand, uh, Honorable Faber's hand, uh, followed by uh, Honorable uh, Beckman and the uh, Reverend Mosheu, uh, um, followed by Chaperson, sorry to interfere. Um, There is supposed to be another report on the progress on the implementation, I mean, on the progress on the the regulations relating to Foreign Service Act. It, It was supposed to be also done today. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I think, uh, uh, Mr. Monyela, can you take us through quickly on, 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 on that part so that when uh, honorable members are engaging, they will yes. engage, uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, we were following the guidance of the two presentations, but we are ready to also um, make a presentation on the Foreign Service Act Um which was assented to by the president on 26 May 2020 and published in the Government Gazette of uh, 4 June 2020. Um, The date for entry into force now needs to be proclaimed by the president in order for the Foreign Service Act to enter into force. Regulations for its uh, operalization are required. Um, It was decided, Honorable Chair, that the work on the various measures uh, for implementation of the Foreign Service Act will be done in phases uh, with uh, finalizing the regulations and specific codes required for implementation of the FSA under phase one. Now, Honorable Chair, the Foreign Service Act envisages four different measures in order to further elaborate provisions in the Act to strengthen its implementation. The four are number one, regulations, two, directives, three, codes, and lastly, guidelines. So the draft regulations were approved by the executive and pre-certified by the state law advisors at the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development. The regulations were sent uh, to the government printers for publication, which is expected to be done during the week. Um, In fact, this week, 6 to 10 June. 
uh, and this will then be for public comment. Um, 10 working days are provided for public comment, where after any comments received will be considered and where relevant uh, incorporated uh, into the uh, process for finalization. After finalization and final approval by the executive, the state law advisors at the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development will be requested to certify the regulations, after which then the president will be requested to proclaim a date for entry into force of the Foreign Service Act, and the regulations will be published um, at that time. So uh, DERCO is currently prioritizing the work on the mechanisms necessary to strengthen and enhance the implementation of the Foreign Service Act. I will, Chairperson, uh, uh, with your uh, permission, now hand over to Advocate uh, Sandhya Devet, our Chief State Law Advisor, to, to then make the presentation. Over to you, Advocate. Thank you uh, very much, DDG. Um, honorable members, good morning. Um, with that introduction, I think we can go straight to slide six, please. Yeah, we, uh, we will start on the contents of the regulations itself. Um, and uh, we have also circulated the regulations, um, the actual regulations to you. Um, it will just highlight some, some of the aspects. The definitions uh, uh, contains just two, uh, two definitions, uh, which we would, would not be covered in the Act. And we'd, um, in, we were of the view that that should be uh, also then explained in the regulations itself. Regulation 2 links with Section 33C of the Foreign Service Act, and that provides um, the, for the re rendering of protocol services um, that needs to prescribe. Um, the, the, the term prescribed is defined in Section 1 of the Foreign Service Act as being prescribed by regulations that are provided in 14 or by codes or directives uh, as provided in Section 11. Um, the protocol services provided will be elaborated in code in a code or a policy. Um, that uh, decision it will still be uh, have to be made. Um, then on the eligibility requirements for uh, any member um, that wants to um, apply to become a member of the Foreign Service um, is, uh, is, are the following, if we could turn the page. Um, so here we, have a, uh, here we have a situation where um, a person, um, an official, would want to join the Foreign Service. So what do they require? They require that they have to complete their probation. Um, they, they must have a top secret security uh, clearance and a satisfactory performance record and completion of the relevant training for persons appointed um, on fixed contracts. Um, they only need to be in a position of top secret uh, security clearance and then the completion of relevant training um, that are prescribed and required. Then um, Regulation 4 uh, deals with the mandatory training prior to the application for the position abroad. So what do you need before you can apply? Um, what you need is diplomatic training for the diplomatic service positions. 
if you are going to be part of the corporate service um, uh, work, you will have to do mission administration program and foreign administration at the SHA course. Um, the, also, the, for those that are employed in occupational specific uh, jobs, they will have to do a spe uh, occupational specific training. And then national departments may have additional training requirements for their staff. Next slide, please. Um, Regulation 5 prescribed then the training prior to taking up the position abroad. Um, so this is now when you have actually been successful and you have uh, to uh, be placed in, what do you need now to, to actually go on the posting? And this is the training that are required. You are, regardless of your previous training, you, um, each uh, official will have to do a mission preparatory preparation program. And then also for heads of missions and minister plenipotentiary, they will have to, to attend a specific program for heads of mission and uh, uh, ministers plenipotentiary. Then regulation six um, has to do with the transfer requirements for taking up the position. This deals with more of an administrative side of, of the transfer. Um, next slide, please. So here we are talking about um, this, your, the submission before you go abroad, uh, the submission of the signed contract of appointment or your transfer letter, so that you, are, that you have signed the actual transfer letter. Um, you have to submit your training certificates, in other words, to prove that you have, under, uh, that you have uh, attended the, the prescribed training that we have just now alluded to. Um, there must be a submission of a handover report. In other words, you cannot just pick up your, your handbag and go. You have to do an actual handover report so that there is continue, continuity in the work that, that is being done by the desks. Um, there must be a confirmation by the relevant directorate in Durko that the official has attended the briefing sessions arranged by the branch. It's of... of um, uh, of of the um, branch in Derko must also attest that, that the head of mission designate has actually attended briefing sessions uh, arranged by that branch. And then, of course, the compliance of all your administrative requirements, um, that, that is more of a practical level, what it is that you need to hand in, um, etc. Then Regulation 7 on disciplinary matters um, links with Section 6.1 of the, of the Foreign Service Act that provides for the recall of members of the Foreign Service. Regulation 7 carries, um, clarifies that the disciplinary inquiry must be done in terms of the disciplinary code of the relevant member of the Foreign Service. Um, this as is necessary because there are various uh, departments that would not necessarily be um, under the uh, 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 Public Service Act, um, and that have their own disciplinary uh, proceedings, for instance, the police or the defense and so on. So they will then uh, be dealt with in their, um, uh, according to their own um, disciplinary code. Next slide, please. Um, regulation 8 um, deals with, with recall, and that again links with Section 6.5 and 6.6 of the Foreign Service Act. Um, and it, it stipulates how the recall of, of um, officials um, 
will be done and it sets out the procedure for the recall to be done in a smooth manner and not to be um, hopefully not to be open for, for challenges later on. Next slide. Um, then, of course, it was necessary to include transitional arrangements. Um, those arrangements were necessary because when the Foreign Service Act uh, and the regulations will enter into force, there will already be persons' um, admissions um, that has not been covered by the, by the Foreign Service Act and this new regulations. Um, acts can't be applicable retrospectively. And, and also, of course, the same for regulation. So we had to do, we had to make transitional arrangements for those that are currently admissions. And when they come back, um, um, they would then have to uh, comply with all the, the, the stipulations in the Act and the regulations. Um, so this is this is where we, we had to make this a specific provision so that we don't have a system where there are two regimes um, in place. Um, next slide, please. Um, we envisage that the existing memorandum of memoranda of understanding with our partner departments will continue to apply until such time that they, those are um, amended, um, because that is the basis on which we regulate the, the relationship between the various departments with staff um, abroad. And then also the for the current administrative code for foreign service um, uh, will, uh, will also still apply until such time as it has been uh, issued as a code under section 11.3. And the existing foreign service code will be deemed to be a code as envisaged under 11.3. Um, that code is necessary that needs to be implemented immediately. So once the code, um, once the Foreign Service Act and regulations comes in, come into force, that code will then be deemed to be the co a code in, uh, issued under um, the, the Act itself. And then, of course, we just have the short title of the regulations, um, just to explain where this all fits in. Um, thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. And this is just matters that need to be addressed. And Ms. Bingo has already alluded to this, um, how we, we've planned to do that. I just thought to add that, um, but she's already alluded to that. So I don't think it's, there's any need for me to elaborate on this um, further. Thank you very much, honorable members. Okay. No. Thanks very much, uh, uh, <coughs> the advisor, uh, for 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 that uh, presentation. I just want uh, before I I've, I've I've noted the hands, uh, but before I also myself uh, forget, uh, let me just start. Uh, by uh, raising uh, just a few questions, and then I will then allow other members so that uh, I won't come back. Uh, one on the presentation, uh, the first one. Mamumikoko, uh, you have raised the issue of a, a trade uh, deficit uh, between uh, China and South Africa. And uh, I think uh, along your presentation, you have raised the fact that uh, you are in the process of addressing that. 
Uh, I just want to check how long do you think maybe that process uh, might uh, take? Uh, because uh, <clears throat> we wouldn't want a situation where the playing field, as far as trade uh, is concerned between the two uh, countries, is not uh, leveled. You have uh, a Goliath and a David uh, situation. So, so I would like to get your response uh, as maybe you have a time frame uh, that uh, you you are looking at uh, in order to address uh, that uh, uh, trade deficit. Number two is uh, the one that uh, is dealing with the issue that uh, when uh, companies of China uh, are here in South Africa investing, they are regulated by our Labor Relations Act or legislation. But uh, I just want to bring to your attention that uh, we have uh, as, 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 as citizens, you know, not, not maybe as members of parliament, when you go around uh, some of the shops, uh, maybe in the townships, uh, maybe in the, in the cities, cities where, where, where you have these companies, uh, you always get uh, complaints from the employees that uh, it seems as if there's uh, companies, not all of them, uh, they don't uh, comply with uh, our labor relations uh, legislations or laws. Uh, there is a high level of um, uh, unfair labor practices that are taking place there that sometimes are tantamount to exploitation of workers. Now, I just want to check whether uh, have you checked that issue, maybe working together with the Department of uh, Labor and Employment, uh, because maybe it might be something that is beyond uh, your mandate as uh, international relations and corporations. But uh, as far as the issue of uh, the partnership and everything, I think it falls within us. Uh, so in terms of uh, internet, internet, intergovernmental relations spirit, I think uh, you can be able to ascertain whether what is uh, being <coughs> found in the public, whether it's true or not. I'm not saying it's true or not, but that's what uh, it has been raised. Um, on the presentation, uh, uh, there's this issue uh, where I think one ambassador Kumalo in one of uh, the meetings responded to us uh, as far as uh, <clears throat> the issue of uh, Shiha uh, of Iran, uh, the issue of the title deed uh, that it, it became difficult uh, to acquire it 
there was the processes and then all those things. Uh, but to cut the long story short, um, then uh, he then uh, said that uh, the title deed would be received uh, in the next two months. Um, uh, however, the the, the 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 property, the properties, however, not uh, registered in South Africa's name. He said, despite maintenance plans in place, the allocated uh, funds were not sufficient. But now, but now uh, during the virtual oversight of March 2021. The ambassador said the title deed would be found. Okay, yeah, that's what he said. Uh, I'm just uh, uh, coming up with, with the date. But now in this presentation, we are told that uh, uh, the title deed is not found from Iran government. Now, which is which? Uh, because those are, are very two contradicting uh, statements. So can we get clarity uh, on that one as well? Uh, that will be my part, uh, honorable members. Uh, let me then allow, the first person was uh, uh, honorable Faber, I remember. Over to you, Thank honorable Faber. Um, you will Thank cover all the presentations. I'm sure you've been taking notes and, and all other members will follow, will do the same. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, just on the first presentation, also on the bilateral agreements um, that we have with China and the BRICS countries, and we were listening to the import and exporting um, to China. Now, I would like to know, um, was the discussions between our trade and industry um, between Minister Patel and on international relations? As we know, for instance, um, if you take um, steel that's coming from Sichuan and, and you take the raw material that's being shipped all to China because we, we don't melt it yet, our own meltery, and then this raw material um, gets melted in China and then at an extravagant amount gets sold back to us. Um, now, you know, I mean, this is, I suppose, inter-trade relationships, but these type of things were already discussed with Minister, from Minister Patel's side, that we should um, rather sell products that's already been um, at least worked with, that we don't just sell raw material and being exploited by China on this. Um, then on the second, so I would like to know how far we on that part. And then on the second one, we I once asked a question on our non-movable assets, which is our embassies, etc., um, in other countries. And what was said then was that it's already been um, given over to the um, Department of International Relations. Now, from what I just heard that um, it's still in transition um, from this presentation. Now, I, I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong, but this is how I heard it. Um, I want to have clarity on that, on our, our non-movable assets, if it is all now under the control of international relations. Uh, yeah, that is it. I think, let me just first stay with those two. Thanks, Jay. 
Thanks very much, uh, Honorable Mfundis, uh, Babu Mshew, Honorable Man. Um, thank you, Chairperson. My first question um, under Pillar 3 has to do with the high-speed rail project. My question on that is um, whether a study has been made before that uh, agreement was concluded uh, of how many people will benefit from a high-speed rail project. We know that the, the majority of people in Gauteng do not benefit from Gautrain. Again, the majority of people who are using Gautrain are people who have cars. Um, so they take their cars and they pack them and then get on Gautrain. When you have many people who do not have access to rail. We know that um, our rail infrastructure has been destroyed. There are places where there are not even tracks. Um, they have been stolen and so on. So I would want to know um, whether this high-speed rail project will benefit the majority of South Africans, particularly workers, who these days cannot use train, which is the cheapest mode of transport. Um, how many people would benefit from this high-speed train rail project? As there are many people who would also want to have access to rail transport. And uh, if they already know where it is planned, that it would be helpful to know where this uh, rail project will be implemented. And the second question also about uh, the trade deficit. Could the problem, the reason why we are selling less to China and buying more have any to do with poor marketing? Are we marketing our selves and our country well, our products well, um, or not. So is it about marketing or what is it about? Many times when the tourists come to South Africa, they love African arts. Um, have we gone into that market? Have we promoted our uh, African crafts? Um, well, to China, or what could be the reasons why we are selling less? Um, my other question has to do with stolen property that is sold abroad. Um, we have steel, like the rail tracks um, that are being cut, the steel and sold. I'm not sure whether it's much or some, but uh, we are told that some of it ends up in Zimbabwe and some of it enter, end up in, uh, in, in China. So my question on that is, has an agreement been made with, the, with our China counterparts? Um, to look out for or to confirm that the copper or the steel that is being sold to them 
is not stolen from South Africa because uh, we are losing a lot of copper billions actually and also of steel to outside countries. All right, and then my last question uh, is more of clarity. Can the presenter please tell us again why out of 180 scholarships, we have only utilized 57? I know something was said about it, but uh, I need more further clarity on that. Thank you, Chairperson. Thanks very much, Muruti. Uh, Mkai, uh, Megan Chetty from Peter Maritz Beck. Honorable Megan Chetty, over to you, sir. Chebango uh, Salo. Mine is to the presentation by Mrs. Bengu. Firstly, uh, Chair, the escalation in cost to the refurbishment of our properties is mainly due to the negligence and the vandalism of the properties. Now, in Vindu, for example, we've employed security companies to look after the properties, yet vagrants have entered these promises, destroyed fixtures and fittings, stolen gate motors, and even damaged swimming pools. Mrs. Bengu makes reference of us now engaging in companies to look after these properties. Can we ensure that we put a condition that any of these companies that have the services acquired by us will be held accountable to compensate the department for any losses that is incurred during their watch? The second one, Chairperson, is that I think it was 796 million that she said we've got that's going to be rolled over for the next three years, and there's a request for more funding. There are 18 properties that we are going to be disposing of. The income from those properties, has she taken that into consideration? Because that will definitely increase our coffers for refurbishments. Third one, again, regarding Namibia. We are disposing of properties that we have in Valdez Bay. Now, Chair, we know that with the discovery of oil, that Valdez Bay is going to be quite an economic hub on the continent. Surely, with forward thinking and forward planning, we should be considering trying to salvage some of those properties. Because once this happens, we will be disposing of the existing properties at a loss and then once the economic hub starts to materialize, we will go out there and get properties either to purchase or rent at an inflated price. So full planning, did the department consider at least trying to salvage one or two of the properties that they wanted to dispose of in Valvers Bay with the view of it becoming an economic hub? The next one, Chairperson, will deal with, we understand that the Foreign Service Board, we're still waiting for that to become into place, into action. But as a cost-saving measure, while, again, we were in Namibia, we were informed that there were properties that were disposed of by the department in 2018. It came as a shock to myself and the Honorable Inkosi because a report of that never come before this committee. That's the first time we heard of it. But if that did happen, and whilst waiting for the FSA to, be, uh, to come into action, can we not dispose of some of those properties that are really dilapidated with saving us some cost to try and engage with companies to try and secure them via the very same process that was 
uh, engaged in 2018. And lastly, Chairperson, can we get confirmation from the department that as she said in her report, that the properties will be disposed of at market-related value and not municipal value. The reason this chairperson is again, when we were there on oversight, the presentation that we were given was on properties with municipal-related value. Now we all know that municipal value is much less than a market-related value. Thank you, Chair. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable uh, Chetty, uh, <clears throat> for your contribution. Uh, Honorable uh, Beckman. Chair, thanks very much. Um, I must say that uh, people sound proud about the relationship, the multilateral and bilateral relationship with, uh, with China. I, for one, know what it must be like for countries like Zimbabwe to know in the informal markets that when they go and see um, T-shirts made in China and they see their tourist memorabilia replaced by gimmicks from China instead of homemade uh, traditional items, how heartbreaking that must be in terms of what was a thriving home economy uh, now becoming an imported economy. And I think the importance of that is if you, if by my experience in SADC and my experience on African liberal network is many governments, well, not, let me not say many, but a lot of democratic governments in Africa believe that a loss in their party membership has actually been because of their support or their openness to accept, um, we would call it, uh, bilateral trade, but I think in Continental Shift, the book by Richard Poplack, some would say charity from China. Now, I say it respectfully um, because uh, I do believe that uh, uh, we do have an important relationship with China in, 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 in many aspects, but we must not, we must look at quality and quantity as, as two dynamics in an equilibrium. We must not negate the one over the other. You know, I want to ask Mashabana and you and, and you can now the legacy that's been left. I once asked her why they believe that China gives us all this money. And she says, no, because they love us, you know. And I said to do you not believe that, uh, you know, nothing's for free? And, you know, you've got to look at the facts that um, you look in Zimbabwe, you look at Botswana, a lot of these DRC, a lot of these projects that China gets involved in are monetary transactions. They're not love transactions. They're not friendships. They're not relationships. There's money involved. There's business involved. So, if a country defaults in the payments, China becomes partners or owners of those resources. Now, people often say, but there's going to be a Silk Road from South Africa or Africa to China. Well, what is that Silk Road? Let's, let's interrogate that Silk Road. That Silk Road is not a highway between China and South Africa. That Silk Road, in my honest, humble opinion, 
is to get resources from Africa into China as quickly as possible. So again, a country that has been as a history of colonization must just be wary that they're not flirting themselves into another uh, future history of colonization. What we need to be careful of, we, we talk about BRICS romantically as if we equal partners in BRICS. And what we need to understand here is that we're the ones taking the money from the, the development bank. We're the ones that get told what to do. We're the ones that, when it comes to uh, wars in Ukraine, Russia tells us what our position should be. Russia tells us what we need to do. And it's, you know, we, ha we have to appreciate that when it comes to BRICS, we're, 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 we're the, we're, you know, we're, where we sit at the table, we must appreciate. So with all this money flowing towards us and with all the, the benefit we're getting from this bank, let's not be blinded by the fact that we will have to repay these loans. Let's not be blinded by the fact that these loans are not for free, that, that, there, will, that there will be an interest on these loans. So I do urge with caution that the people that are trying to romanticize our relationships, let's, let's, let's get real about the relationships. And I, as I say respectfully, it's not that I have a problem with China. I really don't. I believe that they will be important trading partners because that's where I believe that the importance is, is that we must look at trade and not aid. So from what we want to China, it's not that they must tell us which ambassador we send there. And I see that we finally got our ambassador there. I'm not sure how he got his security clearance all of a sudden, but we've now got our ambassador there. So now we've now we have, um, you know, we we must look at trade as the important um, agreement, and that must be the focus: is trade and not aid. When it comes to the properties. This is important part is they look at the rentals. Where there's high amount of rentals, we should be either buying property or we've got to be looking at why there's so many rentals. And I know that for a fact that in certain areas we've got superstars that are looking for high rentals in high areas. And we can ill afford that. We gotta make sure that we're not paying rentals for people that are trying to be celebrities and living in areas that those suburbs are just high end and that don't need to be there. Second of all, I also know that if we go through an audit that we are paying for certain ambassadors that children that have children that are over 20 years old. Why are we while we renting properties to accommodate that when their children could be in university or you know there's other ways in which they can be accommodated without us having to foot the bill for that in particularly. So also in that vein, selling properties. We must look at properties that are in top, top uh, prime areas. Although now we've lost that opportunity with COVID markets, we must wait for maybe just to get where the market wave, where it maybe gets to a higher crest. But we need to look at where, the, where we're at the prime of that market. And we need to maybe look at ourselves honestly and say, do we really need to be in the prime areas of certain cities? Or would the, would the countries forgive us for maybe going a suburb or two out and, and, and 
getting an embassy or getting a residency in those suburbs just out of town. And I think that exercise has not been performed yet. And I think that our department would better spend their time doing that exercise. And uh, as I say, you know, if we could just maybe force, uh, not force them, but maybe uh, guide them into that direction. Thanks very much, uh, Honorable uh, Beckman. Uh, Honorable Nkosi. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. My apologies for joining the meeting later. I had a glitch myself. I, I just want to welcome the, the contributions, I mean, the inputs from the department. I just have um, a number of points uh, relating to all the inputs. On the input on, on our bilateral relations with China, I I just want to ask on, on the challenges of the trade imbalance or the trade deficit between ourselves and China, uh, whether there is anything that is being done to encourage uh, DTI C and, and um, related departments to ramp up on the manufacturing side, because that will be the only way in which we'll be able to trade in value add uh, commodities with any other country, whether it's China or or, or, or Zimbabwe or, or Djibouti. So <clears throat> I think those challenges need to to be addressed through a concerted effort of ensuring that manufacturing in the economy uh, is revived and, and revitalized such that we are able to produce our own goods. Our reality in South Africa is, is, is that we are an assembly point, whether uh, you, you you'd like to have it otherwise. We are just an assembly point in the motor industry, in in technologies, etc. People bring things here, we assemble them for forward train, uh, for forwarding to Europe. And the challenge is, and has always been, uh, from from the sixties or whatever, to develop a manufacturing capability that is not only based on the mining and mineral sector, uh, because that's how it was skewed. I'll come to that point later. The second point here is on uh, the, the, the issue around conditionalities uh, that we must insist on. I think you alluded on that issue, what what or not Honorable Bergman calls your monologue. I don't agree with that, but I since you're not responding, it's, it's up to you. You know, Chair, the, the sense I have is that when we negotiate bilateral agreements, particularly with China, we do not insist enough on issues of labor, local labor intensity, uh, intensive uh, uh, recruitment programs, including skilling, where these skills are available. I, I mean, my experience, I've, I've, I've worked in, in several uh, situations where, you know, uh, China insists on bringing its own labor uh, to execute tasks that can be done by local labor. Secondly, China insists on bringing its own materials that are 
done according to their own specifications. And that creates a situation where uh, for, for, for post-construction maintenance, you then have to look to Chinese markets uh, for, for, for those products. I, I, you, can see, you can just check uh, their products and, and how it forces you to go back to them all the time. On the FOCAC ministerials, uh, my sense is that it, it, the, the, the input says China announced uh, certain initiatives in various uh, fields or competencies of government. I, I don't have a sense that we have a situation where we ourselves take uh, to focus uh, ministerial matters that we want uh, to table. That would include trade in goods that are finished by us. Uh, people seem to think that we can only produce artificial cultural things. I think uh, that's a mistaken thing. It's one, it, it should be but one of finished value-add commodities that we we can place on the agenda. I would like that address, Chair. Uh, the second issue related to that is uh, my, my sense, looking at, I mean, just observing across departments and what the input says, the presentation. It doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a central coordinating point where we register uh, investments and project management so that <clears throat> our goals as contained in our NDP, in government-specific uh, threat plans and <clears throat> in what our economy requires, uh, where we sit as government and panel bid these things and say in our trades, we therefore need the following in technology, in knowledge exchange, in manufacturing, in trade on finished or unfinished products, etc. So this may not be directed to DECO, but it's something that we must continue to, to do uh, in government so that uh, our trade relations uh, really create a situation where there is no imbalance or we cannot complain about imbalance and we become equal players. On the property development uh, uh, scheme, I mean, uh, presentation, I, I welcome the input by the department and I, I can see that there is a good response to the critique that we have always uh, presented to the department since 2019. And finally, the department is um, responding in a way that uh, is going to, to resolve the issue. I will, I will uh, refrain from going to the specificities because we've, done, we've dealt with this and we're expecting the department to respond on certain issues. I just want to know what the, what the difference is and the relationship between the property acquisition strategy for 2017 and the property management strategy for 2021. Uh, are they not addressing the same thing? My understanding is if you have a framework, it will be followed by a strategy uh, so that we are clear what the purpose of each is, avoid overlaps and avoid being entangled in uh, uh, strategies and framework that don't speak to each other. 
Chair, um, because the issue of colonialism has been brought up uh, by Honorable Bergman, it is it is opposite then uh, with due respect, you know, to say if you want to discuss colonialism and imperialism, we do so in a very honest, open, and in a a, a way that reflects the reality of history. I, I hold nothing for China, I hold nothing for the USA and uh, the UK and France. But our reality, the lived reality of the African continent is that the devastation that has been caused in this continent has been as a result of both colonialism and imperialism. Uh, it, you, you do not have to be a rocket scientist to know that raw materials in this continent are being pillaged illegally sometimes and sometimes through very structured economic dependency and past dependency uh, uh, mechanisms to underdevelop the continent through monopolizing uh, uh, trade routes and <clears throat> transporting of raw materials to the entire of Europe. Europe stands today as it is because of its exploitation through colonialism and imperialism of the whole world. So if you want to have a debate about that, we should do so very openly and, and, and clearly and not single out one country that is a latecomer uh, to this, this project. The African continent suffers because of imperialism and colonialism. And that you, you, you just look at how South Africa and Southern Africa is today in relation to Britain, the UK, France, and, and the USA. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that the mineral energy and the military energy complex influence or continues to influence our trade relations. We can we can debate this, and I'm I'm, I'm open to it, uh, Chairperson, <clears throat> on a long term basis uh, and, and on a continuous basis. Uh, I think also our interactions uh, at various levels. Uh, with, with fraternal organizations with or with like-minded uh, um, organizations is very important uh, across the board, ideologically, politically, and otherwise. But that should not cloud us uh, in looking at uh, what should be our foreign policy orientation and what should constitute our own national interests. Uh, it should help us to clarify but it should not cloud uh, uh, our issues when we when we deal with uh, our relationships with with, with various uh, players in this field. And, and I'm I'm saying, Chair, if you want a debate on imperialism and colonialism, I'm open to it. We can discuss for six six months here. Honorable Kosa, are you are you done? Apologies, Chair. I'm, I'm done. Sorry. I... Okay. No, thanks very much, uh, Honorable, because I think this uh, <clears throat> was your last, uh, you are the last and the hands that have been raised. Uh, <clears throat> of course, yes, uh, I've seen uh, what uh, Honorable Beckman wrote, and I didn't want it to create a two-pool scenario uh, in this committee, so I just ignored it. 
uh, <clears throat> but also uh, the issue of uh, colonialism and imperialism. Yeah, it will take us uh, a long, long, long debate because uh, China itself was once also a victim of the very same thing. And uh, I wouldn't like us in this committee uh, to deviate from what we are <coughs> discussing and then bring ideological debates. Uh, but uh, if uh, members want to do that, uh, we can set a, a date. Uh, we can ask the chair to set a date and then we engage on it. But I promise you it won't end on that day. It will carry on. Uh, I don't know for how many years. Uh, I just wanted to check uh, uh, as a last point uh, uh, to our state uh, law advisor. Since now you've outlined the processes uh, with regard to the regulations, because one of the things that we have been uh, uh, raising as a committee is that uh, when are these regulations going to be expedited? Because all the time when you say let's implement Foreign Service uh, uh, Act, then we are told that no, we are still uh, busy with the regulations. Now the process that uh, <clears throat> you have outlined is, 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 is a long process. The question for me is that now what do we do in between? Uh, then do we not do anything as far as implementation of that act until that process that will come to to the president, uh, then uh, putting <clears throat> uh, his signature uh, on it. Uh, then where does it put us uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a department and as a committee in terms of our oversight role and the issues that we have raised that they are not moving because of the non-implementation uh, of the act, and then uh, the reason one of the reasons is the issue of regulations. Thank you very much, Babu uh, Umonyel. Uh, can I then hand over to you and your team uh, to respond uh, to the issues and questions that have been raised by honorable members? Over yes, to you, thank sir. you very much. Thank you very much, honorable chair and honorable members. Um, my colleagues are going to assist in responding, and perhaps we should start with uh, Madame Kuku on the uh, matter of our relations with China, the questions that are being posed. Then we can deal with uh, issues of properties, and perhaps lastly, the issues of the Foreign Service Act, uh, perhaps in that order. With your permission, Chair. Madame Kuku. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sir. Much appreciated. Uh, Honorable Chair and Members, uh, I will request that Ms. Mvebe takes uh, the, the question that came from the Honorable Reverend with regards to the high-speed rail. I will respond to some and those that she would un, uh, understand to be unsuff- insufficiently responded to. I, I kindly request that. Uh, uh, Honorable Chair, you, you raised an interesting one on how long will it take for us to address the trade deficit. As you have correctly stated, Chair, 
that this is the work that needs an intergovernmental and all of government approach uh, from the part that Durko can play. Uh, 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 we need to work closely with the Department of, of, of Trade, Industry and Competition on this one. And therefore, I would not put a time frame because we usually set uh, goals for ourselves to say after five years, we should have reduced the trade deficit. And in our submission, uh, Chair, we are stating that over the past a uh, 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 number of years, I think we're saying three, we have been uh, uh, seeing a, a, a reduction in the trade deficit, which means it is work in progress. Uh, all these other interventions that we are making uh, in terms of uh, uh, building capacity in South Africa, in terms of um, uh, bringing the, the procurement team from China to South Africa so that we are able to make sure that the South African exporters understand what are the uh, conditions and, and compliance issues uh, uh, that the Chinese uh, uh, expect as the receiving uh, uh, country or the receiver, the receiver of what we are selling to, to, to the Chinese. I will, in, I will add on that with what uh, the honourable members have asked uh, in terms of our engagement with, um, with the DTIC again and, the, uh, and what is Minister Patel saying in this. Uh, 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 Chair, we, I think some of the issues have been uh, uh, answered through the questions that the honorable members were asking. The main challenge, which I think the last uh, honorable member uh, uh, was, was very uh, uh, responsive to those, that the key issue is what we are doing in South Africa in terms of our manufacturing capability. If that capability does not ex exist in South Africa. It forces us to sell that which we can sell that is readily available, which is the raw product or the raw goods. So what when we say when we sell a, a raw material, we earn less, and that skews the trade balance in favor of those partners who are able to sell us processed goods. So what is important is exactly what the last uh, honorable member, I think it was honorable Gossi, who, who was saying that it is important that we look inside and, and see what is it that we can do. And, and we have done a lot of uh, policy framework in terms of building our, our, our manufacturing capability. So that leads us to sell uh, those things that we have readily. But if we are focused in terms of building the manufacturing capability, it assists us in selling finished products, uh, finished goods. I, I give a simple example, uh, Honorable Chair, of um, a, a, another country in, in Asia still, 
that we have a, a, a trade deficit um, that will be that will be Vietnam amongst many. And with Vietnam, we are selling uh, uh, um, we are selling coal, we are selling and, and other uh, agricultural products. That is good. It's what we have. But from them, we are buying a, a Samsung products. So you can see that in terms of volume, the coal that we're selling to the Vietnams will be higher volume, but we need value to earn money. So the, the value of the Samsung products, the high-tech products that we are buying from Vietnam will make them have a, a trade deficit that is, uh, is, is it will help, will make us have a trade deficit that is big because of what is in our basket. So I think uh, Honorable Ngozi clearly outlined it when you were saying we need that manufacturing capability built strongly for us to sell the, the value-added products, and those will be earners of, uh, of, uh, of capital uh, for us. Um, the conversation, uh, Honorable Members, is, is continuing through the Department of Trade and Industry in terms of exactly that. If in all sectors, not only the steel sector, uh, the work that we are doing through uh, the, 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 um, uh, uh, through the, the, the work streams that the DTI is leading in various master plans is making sure that we are able to, to bring together all the capabilities in a particular uh, uh, master plan. If it is an auto sector master plan, it will respond exactly to what uh, 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 Honorable Ngozi was referring to when he was saying South Africa is just an assembly point, a global assembly point. So all the master plans are an attempt for government to respond to these challenges. So I would say it is what we are doing in South Africa that will lead us to reduce the trade deficit. But the other things that we can do in terms of ensuring that which we send to China is able to sell through China, we do negotiate those and also address all the uh, uh, capabilities or, uh, or capacity challenges that we might be faced with. On the issue of, um, of compliance with South African labor laws, uh, 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 Honorable Chair, uh, you are correct. And um, the, the, the Department of Employment and Labor, uh, when we engage with them on this issue, what they do is to use their um, the, um, uh, um, compliance officers or the inspectors who are inspecting uh, their compliance with labor uh, uh, laws. And every time that they get to, 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 to identify this challenge, uh, they use the enforcement agencies, uh, it will be the CCMA, and related, and we are um, we are checking. Uh, maybe advocate uh, 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 Sandia will help us on this one. If we are able in the investment agreement to make this issue 
of uh, compliance with labor laws uh, if it is possible that it can be done. So it is something that we, 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 we it's another avenue that we can explore in order to make sure that we, we, we deal with this, uh, with this matter. The same issue, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, with um, the Chinese labor that is, uh, is, uh, is exported to, to, to South Africa. I think on that one, Chair, we are responding uh, because it is the conditions that we state when we are negotiating with them. Uh, there is what we call in South Africa the critical skills uh, list. Then we can't grant a, a, a work visas for people who are bringing skills that are already available in South Africa. Therefore, we are responding to that temptation by the Chinese to want to bring skills that are already available in South Africa to make sure, because that list of critical skills is ensuring that South African jobs are protected and also there is skills transfer. So government is responding in that fashion. And uh, on the, um, the trade deficit, uh, 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 Honorable uh, uh, Reverend Meshwe, is, 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 is attributable to the things that we have stated. And also, we need to do more of marketing of what we are offering. And what is a is, is critically important to contextualize our engagement with Asia broadly. As you would, as the honorable members would appreciate that pre-1994, we did not engage with Asia extensively as we are currently engaging. So it is a new area. So is South Africa to some of the uh, Asian uh, uh, businesses. And they also have the, the, the numbers to trade amongst themselves. That is why we do these outward selling missions. That is what we are, we are taking out to the Asia in terms of marketing or promoting South Africa, both as an investment destination and also as a tourist destination and also as a competitive Expert, uh, exporter of uh, uh, credible goods. So it is the work that we are doing through the DTIC that we are promoting South Africa, but it is a space that we are navigating carefully because we are new, relatively new in the area and we are competing with those who have been trading and they are trading amongst themselves because they are a huge market amongst themselves, but we, we, we understand exactly what we're doing, but we are doing the marketing that you are referring to through our outward selling uh, um, uh, missions. Um, we also would like to respond to the conditionalities. I, I know that um, uh, the honorable member uh, is um, raising his concerns 
uh, which uh, he refers to as romanticizing uh, the BRICS relationship. I would rather, as the branch that is responsible for the work that we are doing through BRICS, state that upfront we are equal players in the in the BRICS uh, partnership. We might not have the the population in terms of numbers. We might not have the equal GDP. But when we engaging at BRICS level, we engage as equals. And as South Africa, I think uh, 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 Mr. Munela is the DDG responsible. Also, among others, our public diplomacy would state clearly that as South Africa, we pursue an independent foreign policy, and therefore it is not dictated to by the partners that we have uh, through BRICS and in any other forum. And uh, that is why we are saying through our chairship in 2018, we were able to achieve that which we signed, which is the, 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 the vaccine center, that uh, the agreement that we signed in March. So the, we engage as equal partners and we also look at what we are getting from the loans that we took from the new development bank, we look at interests that are offered by similar institutions and we therefore take that which makes sense economically and financially for us. So um, I, I, I understand exactly and I agree with uh, the, uh, the, the honorable member that we are pursuing trade, trade and not aid and we are the least recipients of aid from our partners, less than one percent of, uh, of 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 the of the um, of the South African GDP or budget is uh, received from aid. So we are not an aid-dependent country. Therefore, we're trading. But what we're trading in is what we need to to sharpen domestically in South Africa, and it is not dictated to South Africa by our partners. Then the last point before is what you might call conditionalities. Uh, honorable chair and honorable members, when we, 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 we negotiate even the technical assistance, we have mentioned that we are unable to, to agree on some of the, of the, of the financing modalities with the Chinese government. It is because we take the South African national interest seriously. I'll make an example, for example, on that, uh, uh, the China allocation of that 1 billion on infra infrastructure development projects. The, 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 the sticky point there is the, finance, is the funding modalities. One, they would want to have a state guarantee and our national treasury, informed by the national interest, says that no, we are overextended. We cannot offer the state guarantees for this billion. And also, we're looking at the interest rates that they are negotiating, the percentages, and we are saying no, 
this is not what we can afford. So in a negotiation, it's a give and take. But I want to bring a sense of comfort to the Honourable uh, uh, Portfolio Committee that we do take the, uh, the matters of South Africa's national interest at heart. And therefore, we don't take, take, take. We negotiate because we consider ourselves as equal partners, and where we don't agree, we are not forced by our partners to to take what they are giving us. So we have the South Africa's national uh, interest at at the back of our minds every time we negotiate with our partners. And everything else, the others, I consider honorable chair as comments which are invaluable in the work that we are doing and they are also enriching the work that we are doing. And uh, that one-stop shop is what Honorable Mbosi is raising, that uh, a central point of coordination, that is what the DTIC is doing. But we all agree that there are areas of improvement that we can we can factor into the work that we are doing. Having said that, uh, Honorable Chair, I would request uh, Ms. Yolison Verbe to take over the floor to clarify uh, that the third pillar when uh, uh, in far as the high-speed rail project is concerned, as well as the, the scholarships. Uh, Honorable uh, uh, Reverend Mishra, the reason why we, we were only able to afford to take 57 scholarships out of 180 is what we could afford when it comes to topping up that's the scholarships that we have received so that we make sure that the students that we sent to China are, 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 are financially uh, are stable and they are, their stay is sustainable, excuse me, financially. And therefore, we could not uh, cut uh, 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 our, 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 our dress uh, uh, with the material that was offered to us. We could only take the piece that we can afford. And it was affordability that made us to take 57 out of the 180 because of the top up that the Department of Higher Education and Training could afford at that point in time. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I would request Ms. Yodiswa to respond and any other areas if she could be allowed where she thinks she needs to add more. Thank you very much. Yes, she can proceed. Thank you, Thank you so much, uh, Honorable Chair and uh, members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, DDGs on the platform and colleagues. Um, before I respond on the high-speed rail, I just wanted to emphasize just a few points on the trade deficit because it was a question um, that was emphasized a lot. Um, let me start by saying that addressing trade deficit is a rather complicated and, and complex process, and, and it's difficult to put a time frame uh, because there are so many factors that are affecting trade deficit. Um, if you were to look at our trade um, figures for 2021, we have noted, in fact, that there has been a decrease in 
the trade gap between South Africa and China. In 2021, that decrease amounted to 4 billion rand. However, within the context of the 10-year strategic program on cooperation, one of the key elements that we're looking at our relationship between China and South Africa from the existing areas of cooperation and focusing on the future is the issue around focusing on the trade deficit. So there's a lot of initiatives that we're going to be doing with China, like um, trade missions to South Africa, promoting um, uh, products uh, to, to China, uh, but also to make sure that there is access to the market in China of 1.4 billion people and 700 of those who are middle class. So we're working very hard with our missions uh, in China, with business community, with the DIC and all relevant departments to really address the trade deficit. But also just to also highlight that the, the trade deficit issue is also complicated by the COVID-19. I mean, China at this point in time is implementing COVID zero policy, which is very stringent and, and does not allow movement of people, movements of goods within China. So that also is complicating the issue of um, the trade uh, balance and also affecting the supply chain um, of movements of goods between South Africa and China. So we also need to look into other factors that are affecting uh, the trade deficit. Um, I'll also like to also add to say, we, we really are, are, are putting a lot of emphasis on importing high value added products, sorry, on exporting high value added products to China. And China has made a commitment to South Africa that we are going to support your industrialization, your manufacturing, and your skills transfer in all areas that South Africa has indicated as important for the country. But I think as one of the honorable members has said, the intergovernmental coordination is very important. At this point in time, we also have drafted what we called China country strategy. In that strategy, we're trying to come with all government departments of South Africa and say, how do we engage China in a very coordinated approach so that DTI does not deal with China without engaging agriculture, without engaging um, science and technology and all other relevant departments. So as DERCO, we are responsible for making sure that the coordination between these departments um, is working well. So we are in the process of looking back and reflecting on the country strategy to make sure that we take advantage of the possibilities and opportunities in China, but in a more intentional and coordinated uh, approach from the government point of view. Um, I also want to, 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 to highlight that um, on the issue of, of Chinese companies um, making sure that they comply on, on, on labor law and other employment equity uh, uh, laws of South Africa. Indeed, as um, acting DD Jim Cook has uh, indicated, the Department of Employment and Labor is the responsible entity to make sure that China uh, complies. One example um, in, in, in mind is the Huawei um, um, matter. The Minister of Employment and Labor has engaged 
the Chinese embassy, has engaged the Chinese government to make sure that the 90% of staff that were indicated to be foreign nationals within three years, that is reduced to 50%. So that's some of the engagements that we're having with China to make sure that indeed they comply to labor laws of the country and to the employment equity and other regulations of, of South Africa. So we work together with employment labor to make sure that when we engage China, we come as South Africa and as different departments that are engaged on this issue. I just wanted to make an example uh, on the Huawei technologies of South Africa, just the issue that was um, handled just recently. Um, the, 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 the issue of the, the high-speed rail, if I may come to that, um, uh, Honorable Member Reverend, the, 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 the MOU that was signed between South Africa and China on the high-speed rail has been nullified. We do not have that MOU and it's inactive. Uh, and therefore, what we're looking at now is, is, to, is to engage the Department of Transport with the Chinese authority to now start a new feasibility study that will look at, at really the geographical areas, the socioeconomic factors that will be affected um, in this big project. By the way, uh, just as a matter of information, the Chinese initially, they thought that this project is a bit complex and a bit costly, and therefore um, did not but show much, much enthusiasm to be engaged, but we, we want to engage them afresh, We're working with also the Office of Infrastructure and Investment of the Office of the President, uh, Department of Transport, to really make sure that we, we look at the new feasibility study and also finding modalities that will align with how we want projects to be uh, funded in South Africa as advised by National Treasury. So just to, to summarize on that, uh, there is no MOU anymore. We are now going to be doing a new feasibility study and looking at all these factors that you've raised that we need to look into in terms of the high-speed trade. I think the matter of the scholarship, the DDG has touched on it, but just to, to add to say more than the DHET that they have to um, provide or top-up funding for some of the students that needs to go to um, study in China. We, we also have language issues. Uh, some students don't want to take up these scholarships because of language issues, because of culture. Um, we, we also now are dealing with Chinese who have, because of this zero COVID policy of China, have closed on students going back to China. So some of our students are unable to go back to China to complete their studies, and therefore they are studying here and are, are continuing with their studies online, which is also complicating issues because of time difference, because of language, and because some of these studies have to be done in, in physical laboratories, and therefore we are unable to do that. So we are engaging uh, the delegation tomorrow of China around these issues to open up our borders for our students but also to make sure that um, the scholarships that are offered, there is support to some of our students uh, that are studying there, including the medical students uh, that are studying in China. Just to conclude from my side, 
I've noted the, the, the comment around FOCAC. Indeed, FOCAC has um, raised eight um, areas uh, where we can uh, work with China. Uh, but just to assure the committee members that as we coordinate with other departments, we emphasize that the projects around FOCAC should be about South Africa. They should focus on making sure that we are addressing really the issues of triple challenges, that we should not compromise on job creation, on transfer skills, but also on technology transfer. So we are going to embark on, 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 on projects based on what South Africa wants for South Africa. And we, I don't think um, we, will, we will compromise in that regard. Uh, I cannot overemphasize the issue of uh, central coordinating. Uh, it's something that we need to improve on. It's something that we need to really work on. And we are going to be engaging different departments, different stakeholders, as we are implementing the recently signed 10-year uh, program of strategy cooperation with China, which is a very broad, broad document that talks to existing areas of cooperation, but also looking into future and potential areas that we need to take advantage, given China's economic um, growth, given China's technological advancement, in, and in other areas, including in construction and real estate. So we're going to be looking into that, uh, Chair, and I just want to emphasize that, indeed, our national interests will take priority. Thank you so much. Honorable Chair, I'll take a cue from DDG Clayson, who said I can come in after um, um, acting DDG, Miss um, uh, Sendim Kupu. Honorable Chair, let me first start by welcoming the input by honorable members. Um, based on what has been raised today, uh, the first question on the title did, let me emphasize again, um, honorable Chair, as of today, the department does not have a title deed for Tehran. However, as we were in this meeting, there are positive um, developments that took place where the mission just confirmed that um, they've been contacted by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Tehran, and they've been told that um, there is um, a ceremony that is planned at the end of June for the handing over of that title date. So we are hoping that by end of June or by beginning of July, the department will then have the title date for Tehran after that handing over a ceremony that is planned by, 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 by Iran in this, in this regard. On the issue of um, immovable property under control of DECO, is it a yes or a no? Honorable Chair, Based on um, the function shift that was done by DPSA in 1999, the department is having control of the properties. However, the only portfolio that is not under the control of DECO as we speak today is the control of disposing properties abroad. Hence, the, the, the department is pursuing by all means to have the Foreign um, Service Act uh, in op uh, operationalized. So once we have it operationalized, then we will also be 
having the function to dispose our properties. But all other functions for the property management have been shifted to DECO in 1999, including the budget thereof. That is why I was talking about a budget of 769 million, which is what we have for the next three years. On the issue of the um, the security companies, I take note, Honorable um, Chairperson, on that, on the condition that we need to also include around the liability when it comes to vandalism of the properties which are under the care of security guards or security company. I will work with our um, legal team as well as the missions that will be employing the, 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 the security guard so that we can have that condition in it to ensure that the liability um, is taken care of. Then on the issue of um, the income from disposal of property, Honorable Chair, I did not include this uh, part as part of the budget or as part of the money that we can utilize as a department when we just when when we maintain or renovate our property simply because we did apply to national treasury for a self-financing mechanism that's what we call when you dispose a property then you get the money back it calls self-financing mechanism we did apply for that however national treasury said we will not give you a blanket approval you will only apply as and when you have disposed a property and this can only be granted to you through an adjusted estimate process after it has been assessed by all the committees that need to assess it. So at this stage, it is not a guarantee that um, when we um, dispose property, we will then get back that money or even pass a part of the money that, that, that will be um, receiving or proceeds from that. So hence, we did not put it as part of that. However, we are going to pursue that as and when we sell, we will apply for the self-financing mechanism. For the Walfers Bay, Honorable Chair, I take note as well of that, um, that now it's going to be an economic hub. Maybe we look, uh, we need to do a forward planning. We'll go back to our drawing board. We'll consult the DG as well as the minister in this case, and then we will see how best then we can um, capitalize on that, on that, on that process. Then on the cost-saving measures um, that um, Honourable um, Member spoke about, Honourable Chair, the issue of properties that were disposed in 2018, these were the properties that were disposed under the care of Department of Public Works and Infrastructure.
um, will now, I think it will come to fruition um, and hopefully still, uh, well, hopefully within two or so months, I don't know how long the president will take, um, but we have done some footwork also in the presidency and they are aware that we want this to, to enter into force as soon as possible. So yes, I, I can say we are we are now, I, I can see the, the final the final um, moment um, uh, and hopefully uh, when we when we discuss this again, we will have some further good news for you on, on progress. But we, we are almost there. Thank you so much, honorable members. No, thanks very much, uh, uh, Mam Tivet, um, for that uh, response. Uh, honorable members, uh, I only see Honorable Nkosi's hand. I don't know whether it's an old hand or it's a new hand. Uh, because if uh, it's an old hand, it will then mean that uh we are happy with the responses and the engagement with the department led by DDG Muniela and that uh, <clears throat> we'll then have to come to concluding our meeting. Uh, Honorable Ngosi. No, so thank you, Chairperson. It's, it's not an old head. I just want to suggest uh, that on the issue of uh, uh, bilateral trade, my, my suggestion is that we convene a joint meeting with the Portfolio Committee on DTIC uh, to discuss uh, trade in, in Asia and East Asia. Uh, and what what their role is, how they they are implementing their own strategies, um, just to understand and get a, a feel of exactly what is happening uh, across government, of course, but particularly between ourselves and SDECO and uh, 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 DTIC. My suggestion is that that process be preceded by a thorough uh, analysis on our side uh, before we even go into that, so that we don't go into the meeting and start a discussion. We should go into a meeting uh, which is which focuses more on discussing challenges and mapping a way forward. Thank you, Chair. Chairperson, we're lost.
Mr. Lubaba, may please just check the chairperson. Mr. Scuela, how's the name? Yes, Honorable Ngosi, I am online with uh, Honorable Mbanza. Okay. He, he, he lost connection. Honorable Nkosi, he is trying to get back, but he just answered. Honorable Nkosi, uh, Honorable Mpansa seems to be having connection problems and he's asking that would you kindly wrap up the meeting for him? Thank you. Oh, <laughs> no, thank you very much, Shemnet. I would like to thank the Honorable Members for attending and thank the Department for providing the valuable in input on both items. Honorable Members and the uh, I think there is acting DG, DDG Munyela. Thank you very much for your attendance. The meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, Chair.